Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Cavs and Seven is all about the journey. Uh, the Cavs were not able to take home court from the Boston Celtics, dropping it to 0-2 in the series. And to help break everything down, fresh off his honeymoon, and probably wanting to discuss happier things than this, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, welcome back, buddy. It's nice to be back. Thanks to uh, Conrad and to Sam for filling in in the meantime. Uh, before we have a, uh, a a summit, worried about my uh, my mental health um, after this podcast, I'd like to note that I'm going to be talking in a restrained tone as I'm fighting a cold and I'm coughing a lot whenever I talk beyond a, a pretty measured voice. So this is going to be kind of like our NPR pod. Ooh, I, I kind of like it. Um, it's it's very uh, soothing to me. Air. It's very soothing oh, to me. I nice. appreciate it. Um, it, it uh, as soothing as this menthol cough drop. Ooh, yeah, that's the good stuff. That's definitely the good mm-hmm. stuff right there. See, maybe that's what the Cavs needed. They needed a soothing voice because the game started well. Um, I think if you look at the game, there are positives to take away. Um, I think the Tristan Thompson thing worked out well. Uh, he and Al Horford shared the floor for 29 minutes. The Cavs had a positive net rating of 1.9 in those minutes. Uh, the minutes where Al Horford played without Thompson on the floor didn't go as well as Boston um, had a 68.3 positive net rating in that time. Um, that's pretty good, Justin. Yeah, that seems pretty good. Um, I I know everyone's mocking the move of starting Tristan Thompson, but I don't think that that's the starter that uh, we should really be talking about. Um, J.R. Smith was an absolute abomination in this game on both ends of the floor, and he capped it all off with a really dirty play on Al Horford. I think it might have been his worst game as a Cav, um, all things considered. Um, I think he took at least two double pump midair threes. Yep, yep. Which I, I saw some Cavs fans describe in a very generous matter, manner as open. Yeah. Um, no real feel for the flow of the game. Got roasted defensively a couple of times where he just got straight up blown by. Didn't really know where to go. Uh, but, you know, his old his partner in the backcourt there uh, for their combined three points, George Hill, was... Pretty tough, too, man. I don't care how solid your on-ball defense is if you are getting paid $20 million a year and only muster three points and one assist. Yeah, that's... that's. I, I kind of wanted to get to that a little bit later, but we might as well now. Um, the frustrating thing for me, we know this Cavs defense is bad. Um, we're, if we go too in-depth on that, that, that's kind of beating a dead horse. But one of the issues is... They're getting tight, and and that's a lot of what happened in the third quarter, and they needed somebody to be assertive. Um, LeBron James, I don't know if he was feeling the effects of the neck soreness or if this was just him lacking energy as the game progressed. Uh, We saw a little bit of that against Indiana where he's settling for jumpers. But George Hill needs to be assertive in those minutes because when he's assertive and making the defense move and and manipulating what they're doing, that's going to generate 
outside looks that's going to generate ball movement and that was something that the Cavs were sorely lacking in the second half and and it was just frustrating to see him play apathetic Um, Kevin Love had a great game but if Love's getting those kind of post-ups against Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown that's not really generating ball movement that's not everyone's kind of standing around and watching him be productive in those situations so I do think I think you're right in pointing out that Hill definitely needed to step up in this game and failed to. Yeah, I mean, part of it's like, I just don't know if he can do anything when Marcus Smart's guarding him. Um, that's that's probably a fair point. Uh, Marcus Smart is a pretty um, good defender. Like, I mean, we talked about this a little bit. I don't know if we ever hit it on a pod because it coincided with me leaving, but it was like the Celtics defense is a lot more like the Pacers than the Raptors. Yep stylistically the problem uh, was I, your chest my big mistake which is now evidently a mistake was thinking that the, the celtics wouldn't be able to score enough for the Cavs. or i guess what i thought was that the Cavs' offense wouldn't be bothered enough by this boston defense because i've seen them play better defenses at least if you're looking at uh, defensive rating um, than this Boston team and still score at a high rate. But I, I think you're right. Boston plays that physical style of defense. They're not letting you move around freely off ball. They're they're putting a body on you. They're 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 tagging guys like um, it, it, it's very similar to Indiana. And we haven't seen that limit Kevin Love, which is good because that would have been one of our concerns if if we knew that they were playing this way. But it's limited everyone else. Yeah, I mean, I think really it just exposes that this team kind of sucks. They don't have that many good players. Um, you know, I and I I was just doing some thinking about kind of the difference between this team and remember when the trades first happened and I kind of talked to how, about how they kind of more closely mirrored the pre-decision Cavs teams. Yeah. Um, those teams were filled with role players who like made a lot of winning plays and kind of made up for, um, a lack of high end talent level. Mm -hmm. Uh, This team doesn't have role players that do that. No, at least not a consistent clip. And I think that's, that's one thing that you can be a little encouraged by, like, I think the Cavs have put themselves in a hole and their margin for error has basically gone out the window. But as you are heading home, typically role players do play better on their home floor. Um, I I think the Cavs may also get a bit of a benefit. I I think J.R. Smith not being ejected from that Al Horford shove may lead to a suspension in the next game, which maybe that... Uh, lights a fire under Rodney Hood, or or I'm assuming Kyle Korver uh, gets the start. But yeah, may, maybe Korver gets rolling or Hood gets rolling and, and someone kind of takes up that position because JR has just been an absolute disaster. Um, I, I, I think you can expect guys to play better and, and Boston's role players to play a little bit worse. And when you factor that in with, okay, we kind of found something with Thompson there that that at least helped limit them. Um, maybe the Cavs have a chance to to hold serve there. And then all of a sudden it's, okay, now win best two out of three, you just have to win one in Boston. Yeah, I mean, I do think if you can get the Celtics into a longer series, you have some advantages here because they're playing seven guys. 
and really six. Right. Um, like they don't want to play Monroe, Nader, Ojale, Yevisele. Uh, they really only trust Baines and Smart off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're able to extend it, I think that goes a really long way. You know what, man? Uh, I mean, look at it this way: like the the Milwaukee Bucks managed to to force a game seven after they went down 0-2. Um, they were a different team on their uh, home floor in that series as well. Like Boston's been tremendous at home. That crowd is raucous, and I, I think you're once again seeing that these role guys, uh, a lot of whom don't have any experience in the playoffs, just aren't showing up. So I. I, I think it's a, a rough situation, but I, I don't think uh, Cavs fans... I don't think all hope is lost. No, I don't think all player. hope is lost. Like the, This is still a flawed team as well. Um, but I, I do think credit needs to be given where credit's due. I, I think that uh, the Celtics are playing just absolutely phenomenal basketball. Everybody's being a threat. Um, even guys with limitations like Marcus Smart put pressure on your defense uh they they drive to the hole uh everyone's got good vision the ball is moving they're hitting shots and generating good looks um i mean you you have to credit how well this boston team is playing yeah um i don't think i fully appreciated how many shot makers they had well no but Um, like some of these guys are stepping up like jason tatum is phenomenal like he didn't even have that a great game quarter was so frustrating yeah he he had a good spurt when they really needed it and then everyone else stepped up which has been the story but of the celtics the season way, right that's yeah that's kind of the way this team works is like they just need one of their like five guys who could have a crazy quarter to have a crazy quarter each quarter right <laughs> and that's and that gets them enough offense it's just like oh mook morris hit three layups in a row like oh crap like that's so hard to to win when that happens or <laughs> rogier goes off for a, for a minute and it's just like they just have like these independent stretches of guys going off yeah everything they do um, is like timely yeah uh that's a good way to frame it um you have to really respect the way they played in this series but i will say this the Cavs fucked up oh yeah they should have won this game this is um, this it's almost feels a little like game one Toronto, like the flip side of it. Like this should have been a game that they won. Yeah, I there were so many times when the Celtics tried to give this this uh, game away. Uh, they into the second quarter, um, Cavs had gotten gone up 11 and uh, they just pooped right down their leg, give up a layup, uh, then force a miss. Uh, and force it in transition. Smart gets a deflection right away, uh, and they get another bucket, and they're down seven and a half instead of down like eleven. Yeah, thirteen. For for, for our and listeners, like, don't poop down your leg is what Carter's trying to get at here. That's that's not uh, the preferred way to uh, dispose of that. Fourth quarter, uh, eleven minutes <laughs> to go. LeBron checks back in. They are playing goddamn zone with Greg Monroe on the floor, and they somehow survive these minutes. Um, that there was your chance to make this a game again. Um, sure, they collapsed down the stretch, and maybe they could have won there. But I thought, you know, those were those were stretches where you had to go take it. The Celtics at multiple stretches in this game were giving it away. Yep. No, um, the the Monroe. And- the Monroe yeah, stretch know, especially was bad. Like, 
Yeah, just not a lot of winning plays on this Cavs team. Not a lot of winning players that just do things that, you know, there's there's no Marcus Smart on this team, you know, and that, and I hate extolling the virtues of Marcus Smart because I hate Marcus Smart as a player. But, like, you know, he, he saved the Celtics at multiple stretches in this game. And, like, who's who's been doing that for the Cavs? I mean, maybe Tristan to some extent, kind of. Um, yeah. LeBron was... LeBron was truly abominable defensively tonight. Uh, some of the worst defense I think you'll ever see LeBron play. Yeah, he was he was a bit of a mess, and and as I mentioned before, he didn't really look the same after that blow to the head. Which no, I, I wonder if he's concussed, man. I don't know. He got hit pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, we would probably be roasting this if it happened in football, and. Uh, yeah, hey, I, I mean, it's tough. Like, they really failed to take advantage of that stretch. The Greg Monroe one especially, I was just sitting there, I'm like, well, they're really finding ways to make Greg Monroe look playable. Like, that is something that the Cavs would look to attack in almost every other situation. Like, if they attack Jonas Valanciunas, and, and Greg Monroe probably isn't a better de- defender than Jonas Valanciunas at this point. Like, JV kind of took some steps in the right direction. And I guess one of the biggest uh, frustrating things for me in this series is everything seems reactionary from Tyron Lue. Um, yeah, he he used to dictate things, and it doesn't feel like he's dictated anything in these playoffs. No, it, everything is... And I get that it's frustrating that you don't know what you're getting from role players, but like the Tristan Thompson thing should have been evident from the start. Um, and, and even... As it was, as game one progressed, he wasn't matching Thompson with Horford. Like Thompson only played one minute in this game out of his thirty, where Horford wasn't on the court. Like that is clearly an understanding now that that should have been how the Cavs were playing things. And the amount of time that he let J.R. Smith stay in the game in that third quarter without making an adjustment, it makes absolutely no sense that cold stretch in the fourth quarter where greg monroe was on the court there there was no communication there was nothing to to get something going and attacking him there is no timeout like it's getting frustrating like i i I just don't believe he's done a good job in this series whatsoever no um the the intensity level in general has been really odd like uh, in that fourth quarter from around the eight minute mark to the four minute mark like if you had just called me up and and told me that this was actually like March fourth, like some bullshit regular season game, like the Cavs' offensive intensity matched that. Like they've just been attacking these switches in the laziest way, which is like there's no no complexity, no subtlety. It's just get a switch with a guy who's kind of. I guess a little better to get switched on to LeBron and kind of attack him, but not really because none of those Celtics are so easily blown by except their centers who they don't play that many minutes. Um, I mean, nothing really happens off ball. Like what happened to the, the, the Cavs offense? And I know Kyrie was a big part of it, but even like the structure of the Cavs offense when they played the Warriors in 2016, when the Warriors were switching everything, you know, they, they were running these pin downs. They were running these weak side, blind side screens on the baseline for their shooters in the corners. And just none of that shit's happening here. Um, it, it's just, it, it's funny to me because it's just so simplistic. It really is simplistic, but 
there is a chicken or the egg thing going on here. And the Cavs in the past used to get excited and the ball started to gain energy as they hit shots. And there were times where things got stagnant, but you could rely on Kyrie in those instances to hit a bad shot or to create a good one. And the Cavs just aren't hitting good or bad shots right now. Like, I think they shot well in the earlier on, but in the third quarter, as things started to dry up, like they needed JR to hit one of those dumb double clutch shots or someone to, to hit over to hit any of his wide open runs. right right and when that starts to happen all of a sudden okay they're running back on defense uh they're not in their own heads uh all of a sudden lebron trusts his teammates and he's going to move the ball in those situations and everyone else starts to trust their guys and they just they don't need a good process they just need results or at least that's how it's been in the past but with the talent level dropping off it's like okay now the Cavs actually need a more consistent process. They need to be able to generate better looks, and they need sets to, to get guys going and, and to promote movement. And that just hasn't been there. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe it's more talent level than we want to admit, but Oh, it's a lot of I don't know. It's definitely a lot of that. Like, I mean, they've been able to get Kevin going. I thought he had a nice game overall. Um, didn't get to the line much, but it's fine. Um, in fact, the whole Cavs really didn't get to the line much. They only got 17 free throws up. Um, but I don't think they got like screwed or anything. Um, it's just tough, man. Uh, I, I just, I just look at these role players and I just think, are any of you any good? (laughs) Well, if it makes you feel better, help is on the way. Uh, the Cavs did not jump up in the lottery, and they didn't fall back in the lottery. They will have the eighth overall pick. Um, a bit of a disappointment, a bit of an upset. Uh, the the lotto magic didn't work. The karma of having a team that wasn't tanking in the Brooklyn Nets didn't benefit them. Nick Gilbert's bow tie didn't help them. And fuck Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> fuck Spencer Dinwiddie forever. Oh, and fuck Ryan Morton for being a jerk to me about being annoyed about that regular season loss to the Nets that like would have changed their odds. They would have had a better pick. Yeah, they they would have had uh probably they would have been tied for six best auto lots and it would have went down to a coin flip. So yes, it could have changed things so, up. So screw you, Mort. I was right to be annoyed. And damn it. Uh, now we're going to get Wendell Carter or whatever the fuck. No, no, no. Uh, the, hey, the ESPN mock drafts have been very nice for the eighth pick. They either get have the Cavs taking Michael Porter Jr. or Trey Young. Yeah, this doesn't feel like enough, man. Like, I don't know. Well, it's fine. Of course it's not going to be enough. So the thing that's interesting for me is by this pick not jumping up, it doesn't gain value in the trade market. Like, that's obvi- an obvious statement. But it may actually increase the likelihood that the Cavs move it for a second-tier All-Star. Like, I think if it's a top-three pick, it's, okay, we're using this unless it's Kawhi Leonard that's available. Whereas... Yeah, no. I don't know, man. But, like, what I keep coming back to mentally is, like, that I think they're going to be especially sensitive about LeBron. So they're going to be like... Hey LeBron, we think we can get CJ McCollum. Um, Carter, I'm I'm aware that this operation is not going to run smoothly. I'm just trying I'm just trying to spin it in a positive yeah, I way. I get it. It's just like I don't know, man. I think you needed to at least get to the finals to like earn some goodwill. And like I'm not saying they can't get to the finals, but if they don't, 
it's just going to, the whole thing's just going to feel a little different, don't you think? Yeah. In terms of what they do with that pick, I mean. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, that's probably a, a fair statement. I mean, we, we've talked about not giving LeBron time to sit at home and think, so uh, they, they've got some pretty damn important games coming up. Um, is the, at least they have till Saturday. Some for some fucking reason. Yeah, so LeBron has a lot of time to, to rest up. Um, hopefully, it doesn't lead to the rust we saw in Game One. But uh, what what do you think the next adjustment has to be? Because as we said, I think we've lost faith in Tyron Lue making in game adjustments. So we have to kind of hope for the game by game adjustments. Is there anything schematically that you think they should be doing, or that that they might do let's let's go that way what what you think might actually happen i don't know i think they can build some extra motion in on the weak side when they have their initial action i mean the thing that's frustrated me and i do think this series is being lost on the offensive side of the ball for the Cavs. i agree um and what's frustrated me is yes when they when the other team is switching you should generate a good switch Sure. But if that's all you're doing, then you're playing into their hands because you're wasting time on the shot clock. If they have like-sized defenders, which the Celtics do, you're not getting as much of an advantage as you'd need to be. Um, the refs are going to let them be physical. They have all year. Um, so you have to build stuff in. You know, uh, when you go to – when Love goes to set that screen for George Hill, slip that fucker. Like – do things that beat switches that are that are beyond letting your individual talent beat the switch. I think the Cavs are relying on individual ca- talent schematically when they no longer have an overwhelming advantage in physical talent. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's like uh... screens set set off ball action. Guys need to move on the drive. You know, um, I remember I wrote a piece and I might I might blast out. On Twitter, this was during the 2016 finals after, I think, game two about how the Cavs could beat that switching defense that the Warriors were employing. And, you know, sometimes it's as basic as LeBron moved. They had to LeBron attack the switch. They had to send help because they do send help. Right. Like um, but instead of staying exactly where you are, just slide a little bit to give LeBron a clear passing window and to have the defender that's currently digging down not know where you are when he turns around to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or or slipping screens or having that extra offensive player like a Tristan Thompson uh, set a screen on, uh, on JR's man in the corner uh, when he digs down, when Tristan's man digs down to help on LeBron, like, there's just nothing happening in concert with one another. It's a very stagnant offense um, that's just really playing into the Celtics' hands, and you don't have to do it that way. Um, I, I know it's worked in the past to just let LeBron put his head down, but it's not working. He's got six turnovers. He's got 11 turnovers through two games. I'm not sure he had 11 turnovers against the Raptors in four. No, no. Yeah, um, I, I think you're right. I think one of the biggest things is just for them to be more decisive, right? Like they, they need to get into their sets quicker. Cause as you said, if you're running down the shot clock and, and you're, you're all you're doing is kind of generating a switch, like it, you're going to generate these bad looks almost all the time. And 
whatever they're doing, I, I think they need to play with a little more purpose. Uh, the turnovers are, are just a nightmare. Like the unforced errors, uh, they really killed the Cavs in this team in this game. And Jeff Green, my God, did he have a bad game? Like that, that, that five turnovers in twenty eight minutes. Um, that was probably one of the worst Jeff Green games I can recall. Um, he was a team worst minus seventeen in those minutes as well. Uh, the five turnovers, three fouls. That's uh, it's pretty assy. Yeah, it's pretty assy, and. Uh, you never hear that on NPR. <laughs> I wouldn't have actually hated to see more Larry Nats. Um, he- yeah, I, I just like it when Larry's out there. I don't know why. Um, and I don't, I know the results haven't always followed. And because he, he, he was part of one of the fun stretches of the year. One of the very few, yeah. like, breaths of air. And I just think, like, I just... Like, if I'm going down, I want to go down with a guy who I'm pretty sure knows how to fucking play basketball. <laughs> Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I I think that's a fairly relatable thing. I I think the Cavs should try to stay a, a little bit bigger. Like I think you should. I don't really see. Have they gained a single advantage from going small in the series? I I don't believe so. Uh, they just don't. Ha- they don't have the wings to to play small against Boston in comparison to the wings that Boston has. Like, um, yeah, and Horford's more mobile than most centers. Horford's looked better defensively against the Cavs than he ever has. Oh, Horford's been absolutely phenomenal. Like he's a hell of a player. Like we, we, and we've always known this. Uh, You know, we've always gotten our jokes off because Tristan beats his ass, but he's always been good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he has consistently been a good player. Um, He's added a more consistent three point shot. He can score on all three levels of the game. He can put the ball on the floor. He finds guys like he just always makes the right play. And what that's been in the past has been Tristan Thompson can stay with him on the inside and outside. And because he's always making the right play, that leads to him being more passive. Um, and when he's passive, that typically has hurt his teams. It's not like he, he's been an abomination or been Russell Westbrook in those games. Thompson just limits his effectiveness, which I think we're still seeing in this series. Um, but with the amount of times that the Cavs don't go with a center on the court and also just what they're able to generate on switches and, and things like that, like he's managed to be just an absolute monster in the series. And, I know the Cavs don't have the most conventional centers, but I, I think staying big and trying to limit the number of wings the Celtics have on the floor might be the way to go for the Cavs. I agree. Um, I think minutes that have Aaron Baines out there feel like wins for the Cavs for the most part. Um, yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm fine with staying big. At the very uh, least, I, they feel less potent. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, I just think that the Celtics don't feel quite as Celtics-y when they're that big. Um, they don't feel as interchangeable. Uh, you have a couple points of attack uh, when they go switch heavy. Like, you can attack Rozier with LeBron, and you can attack Baines, um, who does not have the foot speed to keep up with Bron at all. No. Um, and that's the other thing. They have struggled to generate offense at times, and they almost always get decent looks off of a screen. So have screeners out there all the time. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, you know, Nance specifically is pretty good at passing. 
And I think he can make a few plays out of that short roll um, when he slips, if if he slips screens, which the Cavs haven't really done much of. Um, and yeah, I just feel like that's like always, if you've got a guy who's capable of doing it, uh, and I wonder if maybe they should invert things. I know they don't want to take the ball out of LeBron's hands because he's the only one doing anything. <laughs> I wonder if they should use him as the screener uh, with some George Hill pick and rolls a little bit more. Um, because if he slips that screen on the switch, Celtics are dead in the water. They've done fewer and, uh, Corver LeBron screens, I have found, in this series. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I don't know why, uh, other than that they can just switch them. Uh, <laughs> that might be why. <laughs> and, and, and Corver dive, Corver slipping it isn't as effective um, as, you know, a, a wing with a little more juice off the dribble. So I, I really wonder if they should, maybe that's the other adjustment they take is use LeBron as a screener a little bit more and invert that pick and roll and allow him to play four on three after he slips. Now that means George Hill has to fight through pressure and get him the ball. Um, but I think he can do it. Um, and that would forcing that responsibility on him might actually make him a little more assertive. Yeah, dude, he doesn't get that jumper off quick, man. No, he's got a bit of a trebuchet going. Yeah, it takes him. It takes a minute. And I don't think I a hundred percent appreciated that pre-trade. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. <laughs> These guys are just really disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, this this night is a Excuse bit me, of sorry. a kick in the nuts. Uh, oh, yeah, it's like you were hoping to maybe win the lottery, maybe win game two. Like just every repercussion of Kyrie Irving's trade request and everything that's happened since then. The, uh, the big bag of nothing they got in return, the attempted salvage at uh, the trade deadline, which... Looked great at the time, and both the funny thing is both deals were mostly uh, praised by almost every analyst. But just everything has broken wrong for the team this year, and and maybe for those looking for reasons to to feel more concerned or at least another concerned voice, maybe that's kind of what you have to look at moving forward. Is hey, this doesn't appear to be our year. All the signs are pointing towards that. Um, we we knew this team wasn't going to contend, but um, we might end up losing to the most annoying possible team to lose to. But on the other hand, as I said, Boston doesn't play as well on the road. Cavs role role players play better at home. They're still hoping this series, but my God, they need to start getting something from from some of these new additions. Yeah, and uh, I just don't know if it's coming. Um, Lou seems to be kind of going. Uh, into a shell of himself, trusting only the people he trusts. Did you see his uh, little exchange with uh, Jason Lloyd? What were we doing? No, I did not. Okay, so Jason Lloyd asked why Rodney Hood uh, is in the rotation, and Tyron Liu was like, what? And he's like, I'm just wondering if he's done anything to justify being in the rotation. And Lou... Boy, getting salty. Yeah, Lou... uh, Not a direct quote. I'm not reading a transcript, but uh, that was kind of the gist of it. And uh, gist of it. Uh, Someone's going to make fun of me, and that's not a Canadian accent thing. Um, But Lou basically said that Hood is going to remain in the rotation. He's liked what he's gone out from him. He liked what he gave him in game one. He's kind of getting a little defiant there. So, as we said, if, if JR suspended for game three, 
Um, I, I think that there's a chance that Hood is going to be put in a situation where it's, all right, this is your moment. You, you've wanted a bigger role. We, we haven't given you the role that you anticipated. Go out there and do something. Otherwise, we might be in a tough spot. Well, if I see Rodney Hood pump fake a wide open three one more time, I'm going to lose my shit. He's you it's are like, a goddamn shooter, man. Shoot, did like I don't care if you're not making them. Shoot them. Did Jay? You have to shoot. Did Jay Crowder like give him that disease or like how how did that work out? Like, cause like that was one of the oh, most frustrating brutal. things with Crowder was that he would pass up open threes and then take a, a long yeah, two. But Rodney Hood's actually a good three point shooter. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very frustrating. The amount of step-back mid-range shots Hood's taken. And now, like, Boston's anticipating it every single time. So he ends up getting trapped, turning his back to the basket and, like, looking for a bailout pass. Which the Celtics have been in every single passing lane because the Cavs stand around and there's barely any movement. Yeah, you don't even have to, like, that's the thing that I think people don't all the way understand. Like, Cavs don't need to, like, run the Princeton. No. They just they just gotta like move. You gotta drift and and and, and move to spots where they don't know you were like when the Celtics turn away from their man to help, when they entirely turn their body away from their man, ninety percent of the time, after they turn back, their man has not moved from where he was. <laughs> that makes it pretty easy to recover because you just know all you have to do is turn around and sprint. Yep. Yep. And we saw Terry Rozier, we saw Al Horford, we saw Marcus Smart. Like, all these guys are just getting in the passing lanes. Jalen Brown was fantastic again. Um, just because the I've Kessers... not been so wrong about a player as I was about Jalen Brown um, in a while. I, well, okay. In my defense, I never watch college because it's an abomination. Um, but yeah, sucks ass. I was not very correct on Jalen Brown. And by the playoffs last year, I was convinced that I was wrong on that one. Jason Tatum, it took me about a month. They're running they're running pin down screens for Jalen Brown. Yeah, and Tatum, I realized I was wrong after about a month. Um, those guys are pretty goddamn good. Yep. Uh you know what? This whole series and this entire Cavs season really is a lesson in knowing that Cal- that NBA Twitter sucks at analyzing basketball collectively. <laughs> we we think about it so much all the time. Everyone tries, and everyone's wrong about everything. Isaiah Thomas sucks. Jay Crowder sucks. Well, that some of us were right about. Like, like these these trades that we laud, um, they've all been pretty bad, and they've all been really harmful. And I know that. And to be clear, I'm not exonerating Kobe Altman because we all thought they were good deals. I, I feel like sometimes people do that <laughs> where, where it's like he thought like well, I did. So that makes time. him smart or, or not even that. It was like he couldn't have known. We all thought it was going to work. It was like, well, he it's his job to think about it a little more than <laughs> his standard of uh, of correctness is higher than mine. That's a that's a fairly fair point. I don't have a research team backing me up, man. Well, so I, I at know, least man. you could uh, say he was like just on the job for about a week when uh, some of the most important decisions of the uh, of the year were made. But uh, yeah, maybe just don't. Uh, maybe just pay Griff the money he's earned. How about that, Dan? 
Oh man, that's uh, that was the start like, of the pain. Yeah, I think it all just kind of comes back to that. Is you, you have a GM that has never GM'd, doesn't have the intrinsic knowledge of the league that that Griffin does. No, no insult to Altman. He's just a pretty junior level executive at that point. He wasn't even the the assistant. You know, he wasn't even the number two in the organization. That was Trent Redden. Um, and then you you trade your whole team twice in a year, so your coach doesn't know his team. Your GM doesn't know the league. The coach doesn't know his team. <laughs> you 2017-18 Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, that's... Uh... I think that's fairly on the money. Um, we like we don't know. We don't know a whole it's, lot. It's ugly. Yeah, man. What a tough year. Yeah, it was not fun. I guess on the plus side, it looks like all... Well, I shouldn't say on the plus side, but it looks like everything is starting to add up. As you said, like the front office decisions and the repercussion from the way... Dan Gilbert handled everything. That kind of kickstarted everything. Then you have the Kyrie thing. You have all all the trades that didn't work out. You have a million different factors, and it looks like maybe some combination of karma or just a Cavs' terrible processes leading them to a bad point. But on the other hand, they typically frustrate the living hell out of everyone. Then make it up to us find a way to come back and frustrate the living hell out of everyone that was criticizing the process. So this would be the type of thing that would happen before the Cavs go on some run that makes no sense. Yeah, we're probably going to we're probably gonna win the title this year. Okay, I wouldn't go that far, but um, I, I mean... All right, we'll definitely win the title. <laughs> You're just going to end up so, uh, sounding like Paul. Hmm. That's my guy. Shout out to Paul. My best friend. Shout out to, um, to Bobby Hill. Bobby. All right. I'm out of gas, Justin. You're out of gas. Okay. That's fair. I don't feel well. All right. So Carter is like LeBron where he cannot last for too, too long. So I will wrap this up. Um, hope I'm glad you went with LeBron instead of a sex joke. Or was it both? That's... Uh, that's up to your imagination. It's kind of a Rorschach test. So uh, it's <laughs> it, uh, it's one of those mysteries. Maybe we'll answer it in the next podcast. Um, the Cavs have a bit of a layoff. Uh, no game until Saturday. So we get to sit in the takes and marinate in that. So thank you to our listeners. I hope your week goes a little bit better um, than the start of the week. But um yeah, cats have put themselves in a hole and, and hopefully they find a way to get out of this. So thank you to our listeners. Remember, support the show, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. Um, and until next time, go Cavs.